Hello and welcome to the Lead Talks podcast. We aim to build a generation of young leaders who follow Christ and will transform their workplace by their very lives that echo purpose, integrity and excellence. I hope you will be encouraged and challenged by this week's talk. We'll go on to our next speaker for today. We have Pastor Bidu Thambi is the founder of Vision Rescue. In the last 18 years, Vision Rescue's teams across Mumbai, Kolkata, Chennai have provided education to over 12,170 children, enrolled over 5,000 in formal schooling, and served over 4 million nutritious meals to children living in poverty. He is also the senior pastor of the Gateway Church. Pastor Biju, we welcome you onto the stage. Thank you, Nathan Sally. Good afternoon, good afternoon, Chennai. I really don't know how to stand here and take it forward because I am an emotional wreck right now. After listening to Naveen, Dr. John, and uh, Benita, it was an emotional roller coaster, and I have no idea where to start. I don't have no idea how to move forward. Uh, but it's great to be in Chennai. Uh, the first time I thought of coming to Chennai was way before it was Chennai. It was called Madras. It was about 45 years ago when I was six years old. I was uh, exactly in my grandparents' home in Nagarkovil. And I had an idea. I was kind of pretty much bored with life at six years old. And I wanted to leave and go to Madras. And uh, I managed to convince my four-year-old sister, Bini, to give me company and I took 10 paisa from my auntie's purse. Me and Bini set out from our grandparents home and we managed to go about one kilometer. <laughs> and uh, I have no idea what Bini was thinking. She held my hand and just walked out with me. But by the time there was a search party and uh, one uncle, Manu uncle, I remember he came in his old Rajdoot motorbike and he picked us up, gave me a slap and took me back home. <laughs> and I thought my Madras dream was over. But thank God I'm here again. But nowadays when I come to Chennai, I think about Murugan Italy shop or Sangeeta or Chakka, Kappa, Gandhari. Which one to go? But this time, none of those things. Uh, great to be here with incredible people just sitting in this room with amazing people. Um, who have incredible stories. Me and my wife Seku is uh, here with me. It has just been so inspiring already. So I was born into a pastor's family. How many pastor's kids here? PKs, we are a special breed. <laughs> Nobody else will understand us. That's right. <laughs> so even before I was born, my parents were in ministry. Born, uh, grew up in a small country town in Kerala called Chennacheri. Dr. John, we both are SB College alumni. And uh, so grew up there. So even when I was a child, growing up, my parents' home was more like a hospital. Because people whom the doctors would give up on 
they would come and live in my parents' home until they got healed. Um, mental patients, demon-possessed people, every day was exciting. There was not a dull moment growing up in my parents' home. You come back from school, you see, you know, all kind of people. I remember one day, I came back home and there was a girl, I don't know if it was demon possession or mental problem, but she was acting really weird. We were all scared. She was in a room and my sister Bini comes back from school. I said, I've got something exciting for you. Bring her, put her in the room and lock her from outside. These were the kind of pranks that we used to play growing up at home. But one thing that I never doubted was the existence of God or that Jesus was God or there was power in the name of Jesus because I saw with my own eyes the sick being healed, demons leaving people at the mention of the name of Jesus, paralyzed people walking, incredible transformation in the lives of people, people who were criminals, drug addicts, alcoholics, you know, completely life transformed. So I grew up in that home, but there was a problem also. I grew up as the eldest son of a pastor. So from the time I was very little, um, as long as I could imagine, I heard my mom saying, even when you were in the womb, as a firstborn, we dedicated you for ministry. <laughs> Every time I heard that, it would freak me out. Because I could not even pray properly in a family prayer. <laughs> Every time, you know, it starts with my youngest brother, my other sister, then my sister, Bini and me. Every day, when my sister, who's just younger to me, she would pray, I know that next it's my turn. My heart would go boom, 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 boom. That was me. So I had terrible stage fear. I had no idea how I was going to do ministry. And uh, my parents' ministry was growing, churches were being planted, and then people's expectations grew higher. And as a pastor, as eldest son, growing up in Kerala, you had to have your hair cut proper. You could only wear white shirt or light blue shirt. Like black was a no-no, so I'm just always wearing black, making up all the, for all those lost years. So. You know, and I really genuinely thought that these, these were all God's expectations on me. So I grew up thinking, feeling like a total failure. I felt I could never please God. And what happens? I started acting. Pastors' kids are the best actors. Like, we know how to act. Right, Dr. John, you would agree with me. So, because you have to act, you don't, you don't have a choice. You know, when you come to church, when you come home, pastors are, you are surrounded by pastors and believers. You know how to, praise the Lord, brother. You know the Pentecostal charismatic smile, the laughter. You know how to do all that. And when you come to church, you know the worship posture. You know the like, the holy hands up. And uh, people will look at him, Pastor Thumpy's son, look at him. He, they have really raised him well. And deep inside, you know what's going on. The most stressful day was Sundays when we have Holy Communion. So, I don't know how it works here in Kerala. Before the Holy Communion, there's a one-hour message on judgment. If you touch it without being worthy, you're going to drop dead right now. So, God's judgment is coming. And some pastors, when they led Holy Communion, they would say, if you're feeling unworthy, go and sit in the back. 
But if your only worth is come and sit in the front, so you are confused because if you go and sit in the back, judgment will come right after church. Right? Pastors, kids, something is wrong. Or, but if you sit in the front and take Holy Communion, judgment will come from heaven. Like, you are caught between two judgments. So I figured out a way to manage that. I'll tell you later. Um, you know, no, I won't tell you. I won't give you any ideas. So I grew up fooling people. I grew up acting. I grew up, but deep inside was terrible tension. But from a very young age, some things really made me angry. Even what I saw within church. I saw racial discrimination inside church. Especially when it came to, came to get married. You know, you have to get married to the same caste that you came from. Um, inside church and outside church, wherever. You know, it was generally, um, it was there all around. I was angry at the way poor people were treated. You know, people being treated without dignity never, never set right with me. And people would tell me that's normal. So that was there. So I grew up with all these frustrations. And then at school, I began to mess up. By the time I was in 8th standard, I began to get memos every week. Once in a month, at least bring your father, bring your mother. My parents, my mother, my dad was mostly preaching and traveling. And my mom would come there and... Uh, you know, just seeing her stand there with her head hanged down would really upset me. And um, I would make resolutions every birthday, every January 1st, like most pastors get, okay, this year is going to be right, but didn't even last for three or four days. So I grew up a total failure. And by the time I was in 10th standard, my double life began to come up, come out. People began to know. People began to find out. And by the time I was in pre-degree in SB College, was involved in a political party and uh, plus two, I was 17 years old, did not have enough attendance to write exam. So everything was going to be exposed. And uh, it was a small town, everybody knew my dad. So I could not handle the shame that was going to come upon my parents. So I decided to end my life. All of 17 years old, um, my parents were out of town that day. I chose that day. And I was on the way to a railway station. A friend saw me. He had no idea where I was going. He saw me after a long time, took me out, and we did something very unholy. Went and had a few drinks. Came back, fell asleep. Next day morning, woke up. My plan failed, but my problem still existed. I had no idea what to do. So I went into my, the guest room of my parents' home. Picked up a guitar that was there and began to sing that old hymn, Open My Eyes, Lord, I Want to See Jesus. If you're enjoying this podcast and are inspired, make sure you subscribe to the Lead Talks podcast to receive inspirational talks every week. The presence of God filled that room. The only way I could explain the presence of God was love. The thing is, it was totally contrary to how I felt God saw me. I thought when God looked at me, when I would come to pray, when God looked at me, he would want to just turn his face away because thinking that here comes, comes the hypocrite. I could fool everybody else, but I couldn't fool God. Again, eyes blazing with fire. You know, 
that was a picture that i had i always believed that god could never like me god could never love me because i always failed and fell short of his expectation on me but on that day with no confession with no repentance you know with no long prayer nothing i just felt totally loved i felt like a cloud of love just embraced me broke down i said i had me and god had this little conversation i said god if this is how you really see me this is how you feel about me my life is yours whether i write my exam or not i was 17 almost 18 that was transformation that was a a very important milestone that was my god encounter went back to the college and i found out that the list of 125 people who did not who were banned from my writing exam it was all re- removed another big bracket my journey started from there but i never thought i would come into ministry i wanted to get into business make money and support the ministry that was my plan did a bcom after that long story short i was in pune uh, spending some time with my uncle and auntie i attended a conference a youth conference by vibam that day god called me to serve him went to bible college came back in 1996 i was in mumbai sitting in a rickshaw traffic signal was red and whole bunch of children came running to my rickshaw asking for food or money talking about purpose that was a defining moment in my life where i connected with the with the purpose of my life one little girl around 6 years old she got my attention i had no idea what to do i couldn't speak hindi only god and me knows how i passed all my hindi exam so all the cash i had in my front pocket i took it and gave it to this child signal turned green the rickshaw got moving out of curiosity i just looked back and i saw an older girl coming and snatching all this money from her and pushing the child back I felt angry frustrated helpless didn't know what to do i went back to my hotel room and had this conversation with god i just came back from bible college but bible college did not pre- prepare me for this i said god if you are good if you are love and if you are almighty why do you allow this to happen no answer few minutes later i hear a question deep down inside of me why do you allow this to happen began to think about it it made total sense god doesn't have to send an angel from heaven to feed a hungry child when we talk about evil suffering pain exploitation slavery we normally blame the criminals we blame corrupt politicians we blame bad policies by government we bl- blame the police department cwc and rightly so they are all responsible but i believe they are all half responsible half responsibility comes on good people who are silent when you read the newspaper or watch the news hear all these all these exploitation slavery crime suffering of children you know it looks like the world is filled with bad bad guys or the world is filled with criminals no way there are way more good people than the criminals but the problem is the criminals the bad guys are out there actively good doing bad and all the good people are being nice and going to church 
God began to challenge me. Why do you let this happen? Put it under the carpet. Got married. Had two children. We were in Goa. Actively involved in ministry. Again, 2003. I heard about, through a friend of our family, about a child on the streets in Mumbai. He saw it in a picture of the newspaper. And a stray dog was lying next to this child. And this little boy was drinking milk from the dog. And the caption said, this dog is his mother. By the time I was a dad of two children. Everything changes when you are a dad, right? I felt God asked me the same question. If that was your son, and if you had the resource to stop that from happening, would you do something? I said, Lord, I would do everything possible to, get my, to stop my kids getting anywhere close to anything like that. I felt the Lord saying, they are my children, and I do have the resource. You are my resource. That was end of 2003. Myself and my wife, Seku, we moved to Mumbai. We went to Mumbai, spent 10 days there. And uh, 2004, beginning, we started by feeding six children outside a railway station called Mahim. Grew to 10 children, 30 children, 50 children. I don't, I don't have any background of social work. Everything that we learned, we learned from the streets, from the slums. We started like that. Today, by God's grace, we have a team of over 130 people. And uh, on a regular basis, our benefit, direct beneficiaries are over 22,000 people, including children. To God be the glory. But I believe we are only scratching the surface. I want to come back, you know, talk about three main ingredients or the main components of lead talks, purpose. I really believe that every single one of us are born with a purpose. We all celebrate our birthdays once in a year. But once you connect with the purpose of your existence, once you find out why you were born, every day is a celebration. Because you wake up with excitement, because you know why you are alive. You know why you are alive in this planet. You, that sense of awareness of why you exist is the biggest motivation to be alive and awake. Integrity. I believe integrity is oneness. It's an integration between who you are, how you think, what you mean, what you say, and what you do. When all these five factors are integrated together, that oneness is integrity. When you attach the rest of your life to your purpose and begin to live out that one thing, integrity is there. That's where you find integrity. You find that oneness. I don't know how to explain it any better. You know, because there is no contradiction there. And for that to happen, you cannot do it with your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit. My favorite line in the Bible is... John chapter 15 verse 5 where Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's my favorite line of the Bible. That brings me to a place of a day-to-day, moment-by-moment dependency of the Holy Spirit to have a life of integrity, to have all these five factors integrated together. You, have, you cannot do it with your own strength. You really need the Holy Spirit 
That is why you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. With the Holy Spirit living inside of you, it is possible. And excellence is a byproduct. Because when you think about what do you want to live for, the question is what do you want to die for? When you begin to live for what you are willing to die for, you can live with excellence. Right? Because then you are not looking at the watch. Then you are not working for anybody. You are not serving your boss. You are not serving your ministry leader. You are not serving even the people. You are serving God. Because you are living for the purpose. You are living for the purpose for which you were born. You know, you are living for something that you are willing to die for. I really believe that is a way that God wants each of us to live. Only when the fear of death is removed, you get the courage to live. And I believe the one factor that will help you to live without fear of death is when you know every moment, every day, that you are living for the purpose for which God created you and sent you into this planet. I don't know what you are going go through right now. My time is up. But I want to encourage you. God has created you with a purpose. You are uniquely created. And I believe through the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have the ability to find out, connect with the purpose of your life and to live out the purpose for which God created you. And I believe that is when life is filled with meaning, filled with purpose, and uh, you can live the one integrated life. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. I mean, what an amazing testimony, keeping it so real and the heart of the gospel to see transformation in the lives of the people around us. I'd like to request uh, John and Anne to hand over the memento to Pastor Biju. Let's give him another round of applause for sharing his life so openly with all of us. And What's written on the memento is Waymaker because he is God's Waymaker, miracle worker and God's promise keeper in his life. Thanks for listening to the Lead Talks podcast. For more resources from Lead Talks, visit our YouTube channel and our website www.leadtalks.org. I look forward to connecting with you and hope you will join me again on the next podcast.